Hello and welcome to Normal Boring Free Birth for Normal Boring People with Victoria and Leone. We're here to celebrate, share and explore everyday free birth stories from normal people like you. If you have a free birth story you would love to share, you can get in touch by sending a DM to our Instagram page at normalboringfreebirth or email us at normalboringfreebirth@outlook.com. So this episode, our first non-free birth episode, but absolutely vital because our lovely story today told by Donna, first time mum, 44 weeks was when she gave birth and she had a midwife attended home birth in the UK, NHS, which is not easy to do at 44 weeks especially, because you only have to pass a due date and the talk turns to risk. It turns to induction and the pressure starts to build. Even if you're planning on having a free birth and you're not engaging in any kind of medical system, I still feel like stories like this are so, so important because our friends, our family, those around us, your birth partner, maybe even you, as the weeks roll by, you might start to feel uneasy. We're just not used to hearing stories like this. It's become so normalised to induce that we don't hear of women giving birth at 42, 43, 44 weeks or beyond. So sit back and enjoy this beautiful story of a first-time mum having her baby at home at 44 weeks. Oh, so Donna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm like ridiculously excited to have you on. Um, But I do want to, because like, well, so you're our first like not free birth story. Um, Because yeah, like when when Leonie and I started this podcast, we talked about, you know, do we just want to do free birth or should we do home birth too and there's nothing against like well any sort of birth but we thought no we'll stick to free birth but your story just as soon as you had your baby because we'd we'd spoken a bit in your pregnancy and I was so rooting for you and I was so like god I'm so excited for you and I was so in awe of everything you were doing all the decisions you were making and then when you had your little baby I was just like I know you've just had a baby but I cannot wait (laughs) to get you (laughs) on the podcast I just want to talk to you about it so I'm so glad you're finally here um and yeah do you want to start before we get right into it do you want to introduce yourself to everyone listening yeah sure so um I'm Donna Mardi I am 34 years old um first time mum to Vinny um I currently live in Bristol but I actually got pregnant and gave birth in Redditch um so we relocated in the last month um do not recommend with a five month old (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we're just staying in temporary accommodation well in a one-bed flat into our house already so um oh, yeah God, difficult yeah. times but yeah it's all good I can imagine yeah goodness mate I'm really excited to hear your story um where do you want to start do you want to start right from the very beginning mm-hmm. just we kind of say like yeah wherever feels good begin there Probably. yeah right at the beginning I would say um I kind of fell into all of this Um, I didn't ever think I would have kids. It was just something that I couldn't imagine my future with. I was just really busy with work, um, tattooing. It kind of consumes your life, as you know. Um, But when I found out I was pregnant, it was like a happy surprise. Um, With living up in Redditch, I was away from like family and friends and stuff. So it just felt right to focus my attention on something. It was good to have all of this as something to focus on. like my only real experience of pregnancy and birth, I was at my sister's birth, out of the room while she gave birth. Oh, wow. Uh, and I was in the hallway and she was screaming. Um, oh. Like, 
But her, it wasn't a nice experience. And I found that everyone mm. I was coming in contact with after I told them I was pregnant were telling me, well, traumatic experiences, I would say. Um, mm. Out of everyone I met, I would say 99% weren't nice experiences. And it just, it confused me. I didn't know enough about birth to know why they weren't having a nice time. And mm. it made mm. sense to learn about it. So I think at that stage at work, I was wearing headphones for the whole day. Um, mm. So I got onto the podcast and I went straight onto, I think the Hit My Birth and Podcast was one of them. And then it just went from there. I think I started to follow a few accounts online, um, like the Birth Rights account, um, mm. Kenny, mm. yourself. Yeah. Um, and then I just did not stop learning. Like my mm. whole day, seven hours a day, it was podcasts in my ear, just constantly Amazing. learning. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also around the time of COVID as well. So we'd come out of all of the lockdowns, but there was still a lot of re- restrictions and it petrified me not only to be in like a town away from my family or friends, but to not have any support during my birth. Um, like I couldn't imagine not having my mum with me during yeah. the birth. Yeah. Um, so it it was just like um I needed to look at my options because for me it wasn't gonna be the case that I was gonna give birth without them, mm. like Andy and my mum. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's where I got into learning all about it. So do you feel like the situation at the time in the world we were kind of in, was that what was kind of nudging you towards the idea of having a home birth? Or was it more listening to kind of the podcast and kind of getting more information? Did it also sound like, oh, this might be better than than kind of what I've experienced or or what I've heard before? Yeah, definitely. I think it was a combination of both. Um, Also, the fact my grandma had nine babies, all nine of her babies at home. And it was just like, how could it go from just a couple of generations ago to having your babies at home and it being totally fine and totally normal Mm. um, to now everyone I was coming across not having pleasant births and hospital births and it just didn't add up to me and I'm one of those that I'm quite hard-headed and I want to know why Um, Mm. like I want to know the answers to things so um, yeah it just made sense for me to learn about birth um, and to try and go down the natural route but also I was kind of questioning things anyway with like how people were allowed to go to the pub together and go to B&M. They were allowed to wander oh, around B&M, but God. people couldn't have birth partners. Yeah. And I felt so sorry. I think I was listening to some of them podcasts and listening to birth stories where women were going through so much by themselves, mm-hmm. not just stories of birth, but really like not nice experiences without their loved ones with them. And it just, that was not going to be me. And I was going to fight my way to not have that kind of birth. Um, so yeah, I think that's Absolutely. where it started for me. Oh, I love that. I love that because it's it's really hard though, isn't it? Because you can either go down, you know, I saw women at that time either, and I I was I was the same because it was either it was either crazy of like, well, you you accept the situation that's going on, you go, okay, fine, I won't have my partner with me, or you fight for it, like you say, but it can be so hard to fight when you're pregnant too because you're yeah. feeling really vulnerable you're feeling really like there's a lot of changes and stuff yeah. but yeah so you it sounded like you you had your eyes on the prize you knew what you wanted to do so did yeah. you start by the usual phone in your midwife saying hello I am pregnant how did it all begin um I I think I rang the GP like I'd never had this sort of situation I call it a situation I'd never been pregnant before <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to do it so I rang the GP and they would say well she said they'd normally have you come in for your first appointment she asked about dates I had no idea what date I was I just it wasn't something I planned so mm. 
I went in for a dating scam and I think like off the top of my head I was like really early pregnant so they weren't doing measurements or anything at that stage um and they said okay well you'll need to come back for your booking appointment so I had bloods at the dating scan and the booking appointment did so was was it still quite in person then because I feel like for a lot during the kind of early COVID days it, it was very much over the phone but you were seeing someone face to face so we were actually allowed to go in person and Andy was allowed to come to those appointments. So oh, I think great. they just changed it so that partners could come. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, in that sense, it was all fine. It was just wear your masks. Um, I thought my biggest fight with all of this was going to be, um, have you had your COVID vaccine? Why mm-hmm. aren't you having your vaccine? Which each to their own, I just think everyone should have the choice to do what they want to do. But it wasn't even a fight. And I can honestly say up until about, I think 34 weeks was the appointment where I banged head with the midwife and I actually sent you the recording of that, didn't I? Oh, I remember. This morning and it boils my blood now, how passive aggressive and coercive it was. But up until that stage, my pregnancy was so, it was boring. It was just, I actually felt like I was wasting their time by going to the appointments. Like they could have been doing other things. There was no real need for me to go. It was just Mm. absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. So what get you? So you say you were, yeah, because I remember this, you you did record some appointments. And I remember you sending me a couple of recordings and just listening to them and going, oh, my God, the stuff they're telling you is just like making me so angry. And it's really there was there was a real sense. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but there was a real sense of like you being kind of talked down to like, no, no, little one, don't worry. It's just your first pregnancy. You know, we kind of know best sort of thing. We're the ones with the experience. And it really annoyed me because you'd done your research, you know, you'd done things, you know, you were aware and they were, I mean, it was quite patronising, I feel. But so where did, I want to go back to like, how did you figure out or where did you get the idea of, right, I'm going to start recording these appointments? Um, I always knew I didn't want to participate in measurements. As far as I'm concerned, everything was fine. I trusted my body and I trusted my baby. Uh, My blood pressure was always okay. Urine samples are always fine. I felt well in myself. So in every other aspect, like uh, private healthcare, NHS, if you've got no symptoms, you don't have tests. It's screening in a way. Um, So I felt well in myself and I knew for like right from the start, I didn't want measurements taken because I've multiple friends have been told, oh, you're measuring big. We'd like to get you in at 37 weeks, induce you. And they've all ended up with either um, forceps delivery or a C-section. So I just knew I didn't Mm. want to go down that route. I, Mm. I knew in myself my bump was growing, baby was growing. So I didn't need a chart to tell me that. I knew I would, um, after the first appointment where I declined it, she she was like taken aback it was almost as if it was unheard of to her so I knew mm-hmm. at that point and I'd also been doing my research and listening to podcasts and hearing about all of like the the hurdles that people had faced so I just thought mm-hmm. you know what I don't want that stress I'm just gonna leave it to the side but I'm gonna keep these recordings um well I'm gonna record it for my own benefit because I'm so bad at relaying information um <laughs> like if Andy didn't make it to an appointment I couldn't remember what had happened or to tell mm-hmm. my mum I couldn't remember so it's so much easier to just give them the recording and then here and like for me to refer back to later on but I didn't tell anyone I was recording no one ever knew um but at that first appointment she couldn't believe it um I also declined my 28 week blood test and the reason for that is I went to it but I'd forgotten the forms so Uh, do you know the little bag in the forms yeah 
And the woman in the bloods department was like, well, I can't do anything without that. And I was like, well, I've just waited here for 20 minutes to see you. And to be honest, I was like pregnant and working still. And I just couldn't be bothered to go back. So mm. um, I was prepared to do them, but it didn't happen at that appointment. And then I got told off at my next appointment for not doing the bloods and got oh, asked again. I am not being measured. And it just seemed every single appointment, they were like, so can I ask why you're not being measured? And I'd explain again, even though they'd already read my notes on the system. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was quite pleasant. Um, I did have a few midwives tell me things which I know aren't true. So were you seeing a different midwife every single time you went in? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently our midwife, um, there was no like set home mid- like um, home birth team. Mm-hmm. but my particular midwife had left so I saw a different one each time oh. and most of them were pleasant um mm-hmm. I did have one tell me that they would like to give me sweeps at 40 weeks mm-hmm. and if nothing happened then at 41 weeks they would induce um and then it was at a 34 week appointment where I had the lady um I felt like she walked into that appointment and it was her purpose to try and persuade me or coerce mm-hmm. me into having the measurements and the blood tests so mm. I'd explained to her that I'd done a lot of research and I was making an informed decision as to why I didn't want to do those things um and then she would explain the process again this is why we want to do that and we don't care if you're having a big baby or a small baby but we need to know that baby is growing mm-hmm. um and I was like but I know I'm growing I can feel that I'm growing mm. like in my mm. head everything's fine um and then oh it was just totally coercive and condescending I think that was the thing I felt like I was back in school and Mm -hmm. she kept saying well obviously you've done all of this research so you know why and um at that point I was also breached and I think I was speaking to you at this stage because Mm. at 34 weeks it's no cause for concern because a lot Mm. of the time say well we'll wait until you're 36 weeks and at that stage we'll refer you Mm -hmm. to a consultant to discuss your options but being 34 weeks Mm. it wasn't paying on my mind as a worry so um Definitely. This was another thing. So the fact that we had, I had a different midwife each time. They were all um, very much the same thing. At 36 weeks, we will send someone out to your home for your home birth assessment. So each of them said that. And then at 34 weeks, I was made to feel crazy. The midwife was like, no, we've not done that for years. Um, (laughs) And I was like, but I don't understand. I've been told that you haven't booked me a 36-week appointment because... um, well, because you're going to be sending someone out. And she was like, well, no, we can't do that because you breached. Um, it was just... I remember this. Yes. Yes, it's, it's like they almost... They were making you feel like you had been living in some alternate reality. Because, I mean, 100 million percent... Like, it is... In the UK, it's like 36 weeks, that's the home birth assessment appointment. Yeah. And and I just... I don't think I've heard of anyone... I mean, you don't have to have it, but it would happen at that week and they could they would come to your home because they, they you know they they want to check certain things or whatever they want to come around they want to have discussions with you in your home really um I don't really understand the logic of but I think I think she'd made up her mind that because she felt like oh your breach that that just took even the idea of giving birth at home off the table completely so why would we need to do your home birth assessment thing so it, yeah, yeah it was very much like that I mean were they quite pro your decision to want a home birth as a first time mum? Were they quite supportive of that all the way along or did you get resistance? Um, they were. Even that one um, midwife in that conversation, I listened again this morning and she was like, we're very supportive of you having a home birth. We just want to make sure that you've like made all of the right decisions and you're informed. Mm. Um, 
people that you're looking at nice guidelines just make sure all of your research comes from the nhs right and then (laughs) okay yeah no sorry i shouldn't laugh but it's just like it's it's just really you can just see the parameters that they work within it's like well make sure you listen to us and if you want to find any information look at our website and that's the only thing to refer to and just make sure you're staying in this little box of our information and don't look beyond and the right decisions are what we've already said. So if you go on our website, we'll tell you what the right decisions are. And um, yes. thank you. Good girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like, Leonie, if you'd like to listen to it, I can send it to you. Like, I would love to. I'm intrigued. <laughs> it's really, <laughs> I know. You. I desperately wish we could play a bit because it's so good. But I know that we can't really ethically uh, probably do that. But um, yeah, it's really eye opening. And it really took me back to appointments but I think you you did have a really tough time and I think the fact you were seeing someone different every time makes it difficult because you're having the same conversation and you're starting from the same point with everybody and I think you know so you didn't want the measuring but I'm pretty sure that if you're if you're seeing a different midwife every time there's a risk with that person measuring you differently anyway because they can do it from a different point yeah that's exactly that is so true so did you end up having the home birth, um, like a home assessment? Did that happen? Um, so in that conversation, she said to me, um, we're supportive of you having a home birth. And just as I was about to leave, she was like, right, so because you are declining measurements and you are declining routine care, I'm going to have to refer you to a consultant and we can't support your home birth. And I was like, what? You started <laughs> saying you're going to support me and it's totally changed. I was like, why am I being referred? And she was like, well, you're breached. We can't send the home birth team out to you. And I was thinking, you've just told me mm. you haven't done that in years. Um, she was like, we can't support that. You need to um, come in at 36 weeks. You need to check if you're breach. Um, and then you'll be referred to a consultant. We'll go from there. And she was just talking about the that the risk for the baby is under my care at the moment. So they've got no say. It's down to me if I'm willing to put the baby at the risk. It was just really as if I was making... Um, wow, if I was putting risk onto my baby, yeah, uh, my interests were always my baby. Like that is all I cared about. And and um, everything was fine. Yeah. Uh, they seemed to, it seemed to me like um, they were looking for problems in my eyes. That's how it felt for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The cynical part of me has got this image of, um, you know, you've seen a different midwife every time and it's almost okay I'm really cynical but the part it's almost (laughs) like this it's a bit of a weapon like okay well we'll start at the beginning I'll be the one to get it this time (laughs) oh shit that didn't work okay well I'll try and you know you come to your 34 week assessment uh sorry appointment and it's like it's the lies if they don't want to support you at home they should just say it instead of looking well it's because oh no sorry it's because you haven't accepted any routine care oh no wait no no no. it's because you breach oh no you know just not yeah. getting their story straight they're just trying to yeah. look for any reason rather than just being upfront saying I don't feel comfortable supporting this I'm going to refer you on yeah it's yeah. all just kind of like yeah anyway I know I totally get you and also I just feel like well where's the flip side though on this where's the conversation of oh we we believe you might be breach so in in, we know you want a home birth so let's try and support that how can we support that can we find someone who's got the breach birth skills you know what can we do to make this happen because we know you want a home birth it's never that it's always oh we've noticed this one tiny little snag so 
I just think it's a, it's game over for your home birth. And it would be much easier for us if you just came into the hospital. Where's the conversation about we know it matters to you that you want to give mm-hmm. birth at home, so we're going to try and figure that out. Like, it doesn't sound like that ever happened, unfortunately. Um, I found anything from my midwife appointments. Um, I honestly believe if I'd not found, like, the community of people on Instagram that I followed, um, yourself and others, um, and then these podcasts, I really wouldn't have been prepared. And I think, unfortunately, that's what happens in a lot of cases. People just trust that these midwives and the NHS just have our best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that's always the yeah. case. There are guidelines to follow, and it's not its not for women, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just felt like they had these loops that they had to jump through, and it wasn't giving me my options of if baby was breached. I even said to her, my sister... Her firstborn was breached up until the day before mm. she had um, a section booked. And she was breached right up until the day before. And um, she switched and then she had a natural birth. So yeah. I even said that to her and I said I wasn't concerned. I said I'd been doing lots of research on breach and it's a variation of normal. And she tried telling me no, um, that it can be a sign of diabetes, a sign of infection, oh, different things. Um, it was just pushing my home birth further and further away I felt mm, definitely yeah. oh it's just ludicrous it's so ludicrous and we know that it, you know the whole push to have a to go into hospital for a breech birth is because they really prefer you to have a c-section they don't want to try and deliver that baby they wouldn't want to induce you because they don't want you to have a vaginal delivery no. I think that was what I remember you that saying is- that to me too yeah they were saying like I think you were saying like oh well, why aren't you talking about induction now or something like oh we wouldn't want to induce you like this because we just we don't want you to yeah yeah oh, unbelievable ridiculous so did you end up having to I say having to did you talk to a consultant well she said that she was going to refer me I didn't hear a repeat but by that <laughs> point pretty oh okay. they probably said to her why are you referring someone for being breached at 34 weeks when it's something we yeah. do at 30, 37 weeks it was a waste of their time I just don't I felt like she was doing it to be like well ha I've left I've left you stressed after this appointment. It was kind of, that's how I felt. Like she wanted to have one up on me. It had annoyed her that I hadn't complied and gone ahead with the measurements. And she'd go, this is why bloods. So I'm going to ask you for a second time. Are you going to go ahead and have bloods and you're going to have measurements? And I was like, no, I've not changed my mind. I've already made an informed decision. Did they come round and do the home check at all? Did that happen? (laughs) It was speaking to you at that stage. And I'd emailed our head of midwifery. And I just put a few of the points across and that I'd been told previously I'd have a home birth assessment. Nothing had happened. I was 37 weeks and essentially I could give birth at any point at that stage. And there was no like, well, I know you don't need anyone to come around, but I wanted it signed off in there. Nowadays, yeah. I probably even care. Um, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I just wanted it, all the formalities tied up that end so I didn't have to stress everything they needed to be at my house. Um, she got back to me. Um, by phone she was probably the loveliest out of all of them um she actually made me feel like I wouldn't mind them to be at the birth like if it was someone like her attending um then I'd be quite happy to have them attend because at that point I think I was in two minds mm-hmm. I was discussing with you as to whether maybe free birth was the right thing for me and it did definitely resonate with me and mm-hmm. I look back now and I know what I did I was a people pleaser so I pleased my partner and I pleased my doula and I had them attend Mm, oh it's tough though and I think especially for a first-time mum as well like 
I do, you know, some people do do it, but it's it's also got to be right. It's a real tricky one because I think I'm always loath for someone. It's, it's hard if you feel like you're making that decision because you're kind of being pushed into it because people are just being really bloody minded and annoying. It's, it's a tricky one because you don't really want to make that call based on other people's behaviour. You want to make it because it's completely what you want to do. Yeah. And I mean, for some, it, it can and that's great. But I think for those that, you know, they do want that support, it's just a shame to feel like, oh, well, I'm not getting the right support. So I guess I'll have to go it alone because that's no good either, you yeah. know. But it is, yeah. it is tricky. It's tough. But yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like it was a good conversation then. So was this the, was this the head midwife, you say? Yeah, head of yeah. midwifery, and mm. she arranged for that week for someone to come out. Mm. Um, but I did feel like when they came out for the home birth assessment, um, it was almost as if she was, like, planning the whole thing. She was like, right, so we're going to use the limb room for the pool, uh, the kitchen, and we'll have the dining table for recess if we need to. And I was thinking, we're not in the birth in this room. But I didn't tell them at the time mm. that planning to birth in our converted room and the reason I didn't tell them is because that room was small mm. and the reason I put, that room, put the pool in there and they would only be able to access me from one side because what I didn't want was to feel really revealed and have people all around me um yeah. like yeah decision anyway but I just felt like from stories I'd heard they would decline people from having births in certain rooms because they're small yeah. me yes. the easy life I just wanted to tell her yep I'm having the baby in the living room just so they would like agree to the home birth yeah and they would turn up on the day in the pools in the living room and yeah and then what can they do yeah sod it that's it, where you've decided you wanted to be tough luck this is where you are I mean my god it's your home you decide where you give birth in your home I know I know oh. yeah but home birth was all signed off and then it got to the point where they were like, okay, we need to book your 40 week appointment. But good news for me, that fell on Good Friday. So she was like, reduction. Redu- yeah. <laughs> oh, we might have 41 weeks. And I was like, that's fine by me because I don't really want to be leaving the house at 40 weeks. I just need like as stress-free as possible. I don't enjoy going to the store. I always found like their conversations, I'd leave heated and a bit tearful. Mm. Um, so mm-hmm. for me, being undisturbed at 40 weeks was ideal mm. um and then when it got to the 41 week appointment I rang them the day before and I said is it okay to cancel that appointment um I'd rather just be left at this stage um I don't want like any conversations anything that could potentially stress me out because I knew at this stage they would try and push induction mm-hmm. um yeah. and they were like they were annoyed at that point so they were like oh no 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 please can you come and I was like no I'm just saying I am going to stay and then everything switched they wanted to do what worked for me so they're like can we send someone out to you we'd like to send someone out every day and I said I'm not every day yeah I was like that's yeah as me going in every day like I'm still having to face that disturbance Um, but why yeah for 41 weeks even 41 weeks isn't even considered you know the, the time that it should be discussing in, um, induction at all. I mean, in yeah. theory, that should all wait till 42. We, we know it doesn't, but that's yeah. madness. Was your baby um, breech? Yeah. No. Still. At 36 weeks, he turned, so they were, like, happy at that point. And I was like, oh, my God, I wish that other midwife was here for this. Yeah. <laughs> I would back to her that he'd switched because I think – uh, she just wanted it. I just think she was she was wanting me to um, go down that route, I think. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. So 41 weeks. They, My trust, they want you to come in and have daily monitoring that 41 weeks. I'm not sure it's the same with all trusts. This is another thing that confuses me. If they're trying mm. to minimize 
why isn't it the same across all trusts? Yeah. Why can we do something and not another? And this was in COVID times too as well. So they want they want you to go into the hospital every day. Yeah. Well, it was after, I think some like some hospitals were still really strict. Um okay. other so it was after all of the lockdowns had finished, but still okay. last year still threatened about everything. Um, so because I wasn't happy to go in for daily monitoring, they wanted to send someone out daily. And at the time, my dog sounds bizarre, but she was really protective of me while I was pregnant. So <laughs> visitors to the house would have been more stressed than it was worth. So yeah. I agreed to like twice a week. Um, but on the um, I said I would only allow that if they didn't bring up sweeps or induction. Yeah. As I said, that was out of the mm-hmm. question for want to go down that route if I ever felt like anything um was of concern then I would go and get checked out and I would opt for a c-section um just for me induction wasn't something I was happy to consider um Mm -hmm. so send people out um and I think like the first couple were okay um but they did discuss induction again and I just felt like each time they'd come out it would stress me out yeah well they're Uh, not listening to you are they you know you've made it clear I don't want to talk about this I've made an informed decision on this I know what how I feel about this please respect my wishes on this and they're just not they're just not doing it they're just because they are I mean how how then can you interpret that in any other way other than they just pushing their agenda of what they want to do yeah yeah because you've made it clear Exactly. Well, because I wonder, right, I wonder if there's, um, you know, effectively a tick box for every appointment. We have to tick to say that we've done this. Imagine if there was just a global one saying that she said she never wants us to speak about injection sweeps. If they could just do that tick and then override that on their systems for the whole ever. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that Um, be great? But I wonder if they are also getting pressure, I mean, probably... It's not yeah. the point. They should be listening because you said no very clearly about a billion times. So yeah, I felt like a naughty child at school. So I felt like my probably on their whiteboard as the difficult customer. Yeah. Um, but also sent me out a midwife that wasn't from my area, and she was like, "Oh, oh I'm not deals with like high risk or like difficult situations." And I thought, "Oh, okay, so I'm classed as high risk or difficult now because I'm refusing routine care." Right. Um, telling me um that they'd like to do a sweep and that it prevents induction and I was like I'm really sorry but I don't believe that's the case for me and maybe not for everyone and a lot of people might benefit from risk um sweeps for me I just I categorize them together and I didn't want to go down that route I just wanted like the all natural route Mm -hmm. Um, well they are they are a form of induction I mean it's 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 just is a lie I know that that's what the NHS say and, and that's what they they kind of just repeat to other people, but it isn't a way of avoiding induction. You're doing something that wouldn't happen normally to you. You're trying to kickstart the process. I don't even know how you prove it. How do you prove that it's effective? Because maybe you would have just gone into labour anyway, but then... But it doesn't matter. No. It shouldn't matter. You said no. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I just made to feel bad for saying no so much. Yeah. I was really lucky that I had a supportive um, partner, though. Like, Andy came to a lot of the appointments with me, and that one particular midwife back at 34 weeks it was almost like she was trying to get him to like I I can imagine they probably do get into the other person's head a little bit which Mm. then worrying them which puts pressure on the birthing person um but he I'd relayed all of my knowledge onto him Mm -hmm. um he was all for what I was doing so I was really lucky to have his support um but I imagine they do get into their heads quite a lot definitely Um, 
Definitely. That's I we see I think we've heard that before on this podcast. So we've we've heard it with people before. Almost like midwives trying to team up with the partner to kind of make it sound like, oh, don't you think it would be, you know, best for her or so I mean, that's so dangerous and so damaging. <laughs> And really manipulative, but then I also feel like the impact of how you would then, you know, potentially look at your partner in the future if you felt like, well, you weren't there for me, you didn't support me, you sided with someone else effectively. But then it's, you know, they were also, they felt like they were being brought into the the kind of situation of like, well, we just wanted to help you, you know, yeah. Because the image I get in those kinds of situations, because you know you've got you go home then with your partner and then that carries on at home you've got those discussions they know full well you've got to have a car journey together it could be really awkward you could be really pissed off with with each other and then but you've got to undo all of that work potentially that you've been doing and it you know the image I get is like um like a parent's evening at school where you've got this on one side a parent either side of of the child and then if you're the child in that situation it's kind of the implication isn't it and you've got the teacher telling the parents how naughty you've been in school not me I was was really good but it's like this team they're working together to try and um relay the message of the teacher so they they know full well it's going to carry on at home was your partner once you got past 41 weeks was he still fully on board with how you were feeling or did he start to feel a bit like oh we're at 41 weeks no I was really lucky um he was fully supportive even past well all of the weeks he was supportive the whole time um he'd had heated discussions with family members like both sides of our family I know it was out of worry and concern because it isn't the norm but um he put their worries to bed and he also acted like a barrier um so he was conversation because the last thing I needed was to know that people were thinking that I was putting my baby at risk um it was just any unwanted stress was going to prolong things and I did feel towards the end that the reason my well I feel like it lasted as long as it did because the midwife stressed me out so much. Um, like I think you know, I had one turn up unannounced before. Yeah, yeah. So did they come around every Ooh. two days then? So did they keep their promise they were around? But and also, so did you know when they were going to come around? I usually did. Mm. And then, um, there was an appointment booked for later on in the week. And I at that point I was getting teary, like I just had it from all sides, like even mm. friends, I don't want to be harsh to friends because they might not be as informed and they might not think it's the norm but you're hearing these things from people and I just I'd had enough so I wanted to cancel that appointment I think I'd spoken to you as well Mm -hmm. Um, and I decided I just needed to go inwards and not have any sort of outside influence so I rang the midwives and I said I need to cancel this appointment and she was like oh can I ask why and I was like I just need some time to myself Um, everything's fine if things change I will give you a call and she said okay I'm going to get the midwife to call you back um, so leave it with me god no phone call and then I think one afternoon I had the fire on dog was asleep on me mm. there's a knock at the door and my dog goes ballistic so my heart's racing the dog's barking mm. I answer the door it's a midwife she just walks in and I was like I didn't know you were coming she was like oh sorry is it okay and I just felt like well you're here so okay so I had to take her upstairs away from oh, the dog god Talked to me mm. about in she talked to you uh, about induction. Yeah. Oh, God. So, so this is something. So she's not even. You're not. You're not aware she's coming round. You're very. You know. You're very pregnant. You just want to get in your bubble. You're like retreating. Yeah. You're trying to get in that lovely zone of just like 
you know, welcoming. Yeah, of course, you're so vulnerable. And and so she's come around unannounced. She just walks straight into your home and, and then she starts talking about induction. Yeah. Um, but it was also annoying in the sense, like, I hadn't planned for her to come around, so I couldn't record the call. Like, everything was just off. So she'd just woken me up. She'd startled the dog who barked loudly. And then she's doing um, my blood pressure and the baby's heartbeat. And she's listening to the heartbeat and she was like, oh, um, heart is beating a bit fast. And it was faster than like on other previous times. And she was like, right, I do want to get you into the hospital to be checked. And I was like, I'm not being funny, but you've just turned up unannounced. I always felt like a naughty child bringing this to their attention, like any little thing. I was always like the naughty child. I was like, you've just turned up unannounced. My dog's just startled me and I've just woken up. I was like, can you just keep listening? Um, because I'm sure it will be like, I'm just sure that I'm like still waking up. Yeah. I carried on listening and it was all fine. So I didn't have to go into office. Oh, yeah. So, it was just, um, if, if it was going to happen, it was going to be after that situation that she had caused. Yeah. So it was all fine. But I think they just wanted to get me into hospital at that yeah. stage. They do scans. But yeah. again, I was like, no, I want to be here mm-hmm. um, where I feel best. Um, Definitely. But they just had to take my word for it. Yeah. I do feel like I hadn't have been as hard headed. Like a lot of people would have just given in. Like they do play on your <laughs> baby at risk and everything like that. Like sometimes I really had to go, wait, am I am I being unreasonable here? Like they had me questioning myself. And um yeah. I think towards the end, I really had to, as well as go inwards, I needed to speak to other people just to like my doula was really helpful. Um I I can't imagine having a baby without a doula actually she was so good um and then all of the people I think I spoke to Kemi really late on um yourself um yeah it was just it made such a difference having those people during those last few weeks Mm. when I felt really vulnerable and they were making me feel like I was this evil person putting my baby I could I really 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 felt for you because you were you could just tell in conversations we had you were under so much pressure and you were being so intensely scrutinized and they were making you feel or trying to make you feel like well, why are you putting your baby at risk you're just putting your baby at risk this is you know you don't have to put your baby at risk because we could just induce you we could just do all these things why why would you possibly you know not want to do this and it was it was such a shame you know you were incredibly solid and resolute with what you wanted to do but it is still difficult I feel like you know, to me, you were incredibly solid, but even, but they were still trying to shake you. And I don't think they weren't successful. They obviously weren't successful, but it was still making you doubt yourself. Like you say, it was still, because it plants that seed in your head. You know, they, it's really difficult. You know, you can have all of your, you know, you can feel confident and know what you want to do, but you've got people in this position where you're kind of looking to them for the care and they're supposed to be, you know, the medical professionals and you want to have this relationship with them where, you know, you feel like you can trust them and that they're going to provide you with something if you felt like you needed it, but they're just, they're knocking your confidence constantly. You know, they were just chipping away at you and it was really tough. And yeah, I'm glad you talked to a lot of people because I think you need that to counterbalance all the bullshit you were getting and the and the harassment when it was harassment like the turning yeah. up at your door unannounced I was yeah. livid at the time and I still am because it's like how dare they you know it's in your home and your space oh god so did that we did you were you able to kind of go right just no one come around anymore what was the kind of how did it 
end up being? Because I suppose, what where are we at now? 42 weeks-ish? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think after that, I had one of the midwives that I had right at the start of my pregnancy. And she was actually really nice. I think she turned up at that day. I knew that appointment was booked. And I was like on the verge of tears. I think I was ready to crumble. Like I just wasn't having a good time at that point. Mm-hmm. And she came in and like all for my decisions which was really nice um and she just wanted to know what my plan was so I was like at this stage like I've not thought that far ahead um but I'm happy to just keep going um like I knew in my head if I got to 44 weeks that's when I would maybe look at a possible c-section um like at, that's how I felt at that time I know now mm-hmm. that I probably even go further like mm. I've known I've, I've seen people give birth after 44 weeks since I have and I just think everyone's gestation is different and it just depends on the individual circumstances but she made me feel at ease um and then mm. well, thank goodness like, someone did I know I was at breaking point at that stage um, she was probably one of the last people I saw and I think there was a little joke she was like well if you give birth on such a date I'll be there because I'll be working so it was kind mm. of like it was on a nice note that one which was a pleasant surprise um at that point I just didn't think it was ever going to happen um I know now that I was experiencing like I was having sharp shooting pains every now and then like which would just catch my breath and um but nothing else I had no bloody show um I didn't have Braxton Hicks it Mm. was just I was thinking oh my gosh am I ever going to have this baby (laughs) it was like to myself really because I was going to them now I'm healthy I've got a boring pregnancy and then it went past 40 weeks and then 41 weeks and 42 weeks and then I was thinking oh my gosh I've not come across anyone who's like in person that's had the baby this far along mm. and then yeah it goes into my birth story if you'd like to sorry I've babbled on haven't I no 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 because this is so important this is like gold to us and people listening because it's the journey of getting there and you know I'm I'm sure I think we'll put it in the title of this that you know you gave birth to your baby at 44 weeks because I want everyone to know that because it's the it's the understanding how you did that how you got there how you got through all that pressure that's what people listening I guarantee will want to know because I think as soon as someone hits even 40 weeks I mean, God, 39 now, I don't know. It's, it's that point where conversation starts to turn to like, oh, do you want to sweep? Should we talk about induction? You do start to almost wobble or feel like, oh, maybe I should change. And this whole, I hate the conversation of like, oh, well, what's your plan? You know, like, well, maybe my plan is just, I'm going to be pregnant and then I'll give birth when I give birth. What have I got to have a plan? It's almost like they expect you, yeah, you go over 40, something, you know, one weeks or whatever, and you must have a file of facts of all this information of like, right, I'm going to do this and this and this. It's like, no, I'm just still pregnant. And I'm just quite happy to continue. But no, so this is such good information. Um, do you have much contact in the build-up to when you actually go into labour then or, or were you just finally left alone? When was the kind of last interaction with a midwife before you went into labour? Um, so the last appointment I had them was on a Friday and I was 43 and something and just, um, I think that was the nice midwife and she joked with me. Oh, and then good. I on the Monday, well, I went into oh. on the Sunday night. Oh, it's um, nice there was a kind of, yeah, fairly positive interaction in the very last time. Yeah, thank goodness. I was almost expecting them to turn up now on the Monday. Yeah. Um, because of the booked appointment, like, it really wouldn't have surprised me if they'd turned up and not known I'd had him. God. Uh, but, yeah. Um, oh. it, one of the midwives who I'd had attend my um, home, 
who was at the birth, along with another one that I wasn't familiar with. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'd seen them on the Friday, went into labour on the Sunday night and gave birth at lunchtime on the Monday. Oh, so what did, it, what did it feel like? So then you had these shooting pains. Um, how, when did you st- first think, oh, this might finally be it? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think the few days, so after the Friday, oh, I think I'd had tightenings on the Friday, but as soon as I'd had the midwife appointment, everything had gone. So like it just anything that had started had already gone but then that weekend um I just tried to do everything that I found enjoyable so we were doing baking and we had like the music on um we were doing lots of juicing and then on the Sunday um it was nice weather so we had a barbecue um and then went to bed as normal didn't have any feelings but I had had like whilst like I don't know I think whilst I was baking I had like a shooting panel I didn't think it was anything um it was like just a really sharp shooting pain in my groin but then that was it so I just didn't think it was anything related to that um almost like a sciatical pain in a way um and then went to bed at about half 11 and got woken up at quarter past 12 to really intense um contractions um I could breathe through them but I just knew that was it at that point so I wake up and I was like okay I think something's happening but can you just lead me to it please and I just went into the ensuite um lit a couple of candles and I went down onto the floor I just felt for me um the best position is like on all fours um I didn't want to count anything and I just tried to manage with it so I think for like a couple of hours I just dealt with it by myself until they were getting close together then um and like I think at one point I thought okay I need to like just have a little look to see how spaced apart they are so I know whether to get my doula joe over mm-hmm. um and I think they were like around three to four minutes apart at that stage so I got Andy to give her a call um luckily she didn't come around right away because I did feel like I could still manage by myself mm. um I honestly felt like I would have been fine doing it by myself but Andy's I wouldn't say he's a warrior but I think what his family had put into his head was that it's best to have medical people around so even if it's a home birth as long as someone's there just in case um mm-hmm. so yeah it was more for him in that sense I guess um the doula turned up after an hour and she sat with me in the bathroom um for a while until I remember my my wrists and my knees were killing at this point because I'd been on them for a while so even though it's the most comfortable position it was just doing me in it was like why don't you try on the bed so I managed to get onto the bed between a contraction um but it's not supportive enough for that position so she was like try on your back see if you're any more comfortable and that position for me was absolutely unbearable um I vomited from it oh no I know I don't know how like maybe it's best for some people, like I know everyone's different, but for me, that was not the position. So we waited for a gap between the next one and I went down into the pool, which Andy had already started filling up for me. Um, I was quite sneaky with that birthing, actually. So I bought this bulb from Amazon and you get a little remote control with it. So regardless of what you switch on the wall, anyone who comes in and tries to operate it from that, it doesn't work. It only works from this remote. So Oh, I love that. <laughs> and then he'd hit the remote because what I was worried about this is how far along in pregnancy I was that I managed to think of this I didn't want the midwives coming in and turning on the big lights like that would be yeah not ideal for me like that was the last thing I wanted so um 
we had like all of the nice lights and the the, the tea lights and everything. Um, I got straight into the pool um, and then I was just managing in there. Um, it's really weird. It was almost like I wasn't in my own body. Mm. It was like I went mm. somewhere else and like instinctually my body just moved through the contractions and I had my um, affirmations written up on the wall. So oh, I was yeah. like going through everything by myself and like I didn't want anyone talking to me. My doula was in the room, but she just kept herself to herself. Um, and what was it so I think a few hours passed at that point and I began to like well I was making pushing sounds and I could feel my body was pushing without like I didn't have to do anything it was just doing that Mm. um and I think it was at this stage that my doula must have ran the midwives um I know like on the lead up to my birth I was like I'm not sure if like like I think I can probably do it without them but it's quite awkward because you don't know how they feel I know I should have just straight out asked like how do you feel about attending and like an unassisted birth without Mm. midwife but maybe I should have thought more about what would make me comfortable and not like Andy and the doula but um she'd said at the time we'll just see how you get along and like um like decide at the time when is right for you for them to attend but I don't I don't think we had that conversation I think it got to the pushing stage and then as far as I knew they just turned up at one point mm-hmm. they obviously couldn't turn the big lights on because I'd hidden the remote right. um, straight away the, the lead midwife came around and introduced herself and I'm pretty sure it's like mid contraction mm. um she was like talking but she was like right on the side of the 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 pool like in my face and I just had to like it probably came through, but I was like, I'm really sorry, but can you just leave me alone? Mm. And just went away then. She just went and stood to the side. Um, I did feel like it did disrupt my peace. I was like in the zone. I was like in this other place managing by myself. And then I just felt like that space was like interrupted by like a chitter chatter. Like I had signs mm. on the door saying I wanted undisturbed and unobserved. Um, and to like not make any noise and like if possible not even be in the room like I'd rather just be by myself I knew it was something that I wanted to go inwards for but there was like like, one of the midwives was sat in the room with her laptop and it was just like a constant clicking yeah Um, so annoying yeah this midwife she wanted to check with the Doppler I said like I'd already let my um, doula know that as long as it didn't disturb me then it was fine to do so but what I found was, do you know, I put the pool in like that side of the room so they could only reach one side. For mm-hmm. some reason, I felt it was necessary to like squeeze past the wall and the pool to get to my other side and like put the doctor on there. So it was just making like lots of noise every time she'd go around every 15 minutes to yeah. check it. Um, and things were progressing well, like I felt well in myself. And then it got to a point where I heard her chatting to, I think, my doula. And like my doula just came over and said, like they they were asking about a vaginal examination. I'd already like had it on all of my notes that and my birth plan, like I had a full-on birth plan that they were supposed to have read when they came in. Um, and I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the midwife felt it was necessary to ask me directly. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. said no. Um <sighs> I don't know how many times I declined vaginal examinations during my birth um so I said no like it's I don't want to do that Mm. um carried on how I was um which I felt like I was progressing I was it felt like I was pushing but unintentionally so I knew my body was doing what it was supposed to be doing and then it got to a point where she was like 
So we would normally allow an hour and a half for the pushing stage. Um, so I'd like to do a vaginal examination just so I can see what's going on. I need to see if there's like a cervical lip or I need to see if there's swelling or if there's anything else because we are coming to the end of that pushing stage. And I was like, no, thank you. Like, wow. I don't want examination. Wow. How incredibly rude and how incredibly like presumptuous that you were in any kind of a stage or whatever like she'd put you on a clock depending on what when she thought you were in some kind of stage I mean I think women can feel pushy at different points in their labor which could be a baby just repositioning or whatever it doesn't have to be coming out you know like there can be other reasons for for, for making all sorts of noises or whatever but so she I just love how she'd put you on a clock she'd given you an hour and a half and then she was sort of telling you like the sands of time are nearly over you know you've got these few little grains left and so I need to check you all this kind of stuff but oh god how incredibly discouraging when you're laboring I know it was so disturbing she planted those seeds of worry because I'd never thought of a cervical lip or thing or like these things that were stopping baby from descending as far as I was concerned my body was doing what it was supposed to be doing Mm. um like it I felt like everything was okay um there was no worries in my head um she said yeah we're coming like towards the end of that and like we really need to see if there's some progress and I just I know I shouldn't have gone into my analytical brain but I could not help myself like the hard pregnancy I had based on like my experiences with the midwives and then for her to come and say that I was like it doesn't matter if you check me I said some women can be pushy uh like before 10 centimeters not everyone dilates to 10 centimeters yeah um you're still needing to like get out all of the information you're still needing to like get into the textbook stuff to counter in mid-labor my gosh sorry carry on my doula afterwards was like I've never experienced a birth where someone's had to reel off statistics to the midwife during labor like between contractions I was having to do this I said like we would at like one centimeter an hour and I was like I said it doesn't matter what 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 I am like how many centimeters I could be ready to push within five minutes like people can go from like one to the other like it's really like I said it's not going to tell you anything and it's not going to tell me anything I don't want any vaginal examination so I could tell she was annoyed with that like she was um but I carried on as I was and I tried not to let it get to me and then um there was like talks like oh like have you been for a wee recently and I was a big drinker not alcohol but water (laughs) drinker during my pregnancy I was (laughs) three liters of water a day so I thought you know what I have been drinking during um my contractions maybe I do need to go for a wee so I decided to hop out of um the pool and try to go for a wee but every time I'd almost be going I'd have a contraction so it was kind of like wow I just couldn't do it mm-hmm. so um mm-hmm. I got back and I was gonna see if I could maybe just wee in the pool I knew all of this was like interrupting my flow though but I just thought if I try and wee and it just like um hopefully it won't hinder my chances of like things progressing um still couldn't wee so she then said about a catheter and I said okay I'm gonna allow a catheter as long as you say you're not gonna do a vagina examination I don't want it to just be like an accidental thing mm-hmm. um, they were like promise we won't do that so I had the catheter my bladder wasn't even full like there was a tiny bit in there so that was all gone and I went back into the pool and then 
she was carrying on with her um, Doppler things, but I, they were increasingly starting to annoy me at this point. They weren't mm. every 15 minutes. She was every time doing it, instead of just, like, I know maybe the baby was on that side, and, but reach over. Don't, like, disturb me by going all past the wall, and then she was knocking the blinds, so it was making a weird noise each time oh. she came around. Yeah. Um, I also found as well, so I was under the impression that they check the heartbeat, like, before a contraction and just after the contraction to make sure like the heartbeat goes back to hmm. terms for it but like I'd done my research and I already knew that during a contraction the baby's heartbeat can increase or like it's just while it's being squeezed down a tube isn't it like it's going to be affected yeah. and then she made the announcement she was like right baby's heartbeat I'm not happy with baby's heartbeat and I was like you're doing it during a contraction um, she was like, no, I, I think we need to transfer in. Also, by this point, the ambulance was already outside. So they already- oh, no, she'd caught what? What? So she'd called one already without without even asking you? There was two ambulances waiting outside. No, two. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I didn't know it at this stage. This is what my doulas told me after the birth. They just didn't tell me because I would have got irate at this point. Um like right I'm not happy with baby's heartbeat like I want to get us into hospital we need to transfer in and I was like I'm not being funny but a minute ago or not a minute ago I said you've literally just told me that we're coming to the end of the pushing stage and at that point you weren't happy to keep going like and you wanted to do a vaginal examination I said it's quite um what's the word convenient I mm. actually used I was like quite convenient that all of a sudden you're saying that about the heartbeat I was like can you just keep listening and she did carry on listening, and it was fine. Mm-hmm. Like the blood pressure. Um, yeah. 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 I honestly think it was because I wasn't playing ball with doing the vaginal examinations and them having control over the situation. Mm-hmm. They so it got to a point where my and she was like, Donna, like I can tell you're stressed. Things are slowing down. She said, I'm going to, I think they put Clary Sage on or something on the burner, try and get things to go again. But I could already feel. I'm the sort of person where, like, if if something annoys me, it's going to play my mind. And they'd interrupted me in, like, my birthing state. Mm. Um, so my doula was like, why don't we try another position? Like, see if you're comfortable. I got out, um, and I think I was lying on the floor at this stage, and I had my leg up. But at this point, I was feeling, like, a little bit teary. I felt like I knew, I, I don't know how at this point, I knew that there was ambulances around, and mm-hmm. she'd already annoyed me with saying that she wanted me to transfer in and I was like can I just ask what will happen if I'm transferred in will I be strapped to a CTG machine mm. she went yeah that's monitoring I said well if it's a real emergency I'd be going straight for a c-section so I was like I'm not happy to transfer in mm. I said it's a 40 minute journey on the motorway and I said and I cannot stand um contractions on my back like I'd already tried it on the bed upstairs so I was just like I really shouldn't have been going through this during my birth. Like, oh god, at, not at all. Yeah, I had a birth. I do think that particular point in my birth was actually quite traumatic. Mm. Yeah, that's really difficult. Um, they were like, just pop your leg up a, a second. Let's have a little look. And lo and behold, he was crowning. Wow. So, had I actually agreed to transfer when she was like, oh, the heartbeat and so on, I would have been crowning in the ambulance. In the back of an ambulance reached the hospital yeah. or all things all together 
and I would have gone in and ended up with like a C-section. So at that point, I, my doula was like, right, Don, let's see if gravity can help you. So I got up from being on my side. Um, Andy had me like um, from behind and I squatted and had him out then. Oh, amazing. Oh, well done. Pushes, um, and he was like fully out. He didn't cry right away, but I knew he was okay. Mm-hmm. But I could feel the panic in the room from him not crying, which again, I don't understand. Like, I don't believe, it, it just makes me wonder, like, I've watched birth videos, and I know that it's not always normal for baby to cry right away. They've just, they've yeah. just ended into the world. They don't need to cry right away. But I felt like it was a panic, and they were, like, trying to make the baby cry, and I just had him on my chest, and I knew he was fine. Mm-hmm. And then it started with another aspect. So they were, like, straight away, they were, like, oh, he's small. Um, right, we need to, like, weigh him. And I was, like, no, he's staying with me. Oh, God, they wanted to weigh him as soon as he was on your chest, as soon as he was born, because by their eyeball, they thought he was small. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. I hadn't birthed the placenta, and I was, like, don't touch the cord. Like, leave the cord alone. I don't want anyone touching the cord. Yeah. Um, and at that point, like, I was a bit shaky, so I was, like, Joe, like, the dude, can you hold the baby? And I was, like, please just don't touch the cord. Um, and they wanted me to birth the placenta straight away, where I was like, now I need to sit down, I just need to sit down, so I sat down, and I was like, I, I just needed to hold my baby again at that point, so I had him on me, and I was sniffing his head, mm. um, I think Joe asked them to leave the room, because I just knew, I'd held off from being transferred so much, that the last thing I needed was to start bleeding, and then be transferred in, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just had him on me and then I found like every they were still talking in the room which annoyed me again but you're like kind of like a bit jittery at this stage you've just gone through like I just met my baby I should have really been like can you just get out Mm. um but like I found like every 10 minutes they'd be like okay do you want to try and stand up and try and push like see if you can get the placenta out and like I did try a couple of times and I was like I'm not ready and I feel unsteady on my feet I just need to sit down so I did tell Mm. them in that like in that stage um I think it was an hour and a half until I birthed the placenta which was annoying for them because they couldn't do any of their checks until that was done mm. but so so uh, so normal so normal and yeah, absolutely fine yeah. and like they're getting in the way of you having contact with your baby like nursing your baby just doing all those things yeah. that are just going to yeah. help with the birth of your placenta yeah. they're just ruining all of that and just telling you to push a bit which is yeah it does make me wonder, like, what are they taught? Do they? I wish that they would do the hypnobirthing courses and learn mm. from all of the birth keepers that we learn mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, after an hour and a half, the cord was cut, and then they weighed him, and they were like, "Yeah, he is classed as small at six pound seven ounces." Um, which to me, I just think, "Oh my gosh, I am so glad that I wasn't induced because he was clearly in there because he needed to be at yeah, forty-four weeks weighing that much." But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. My family wasn't a small baby. All of my mum's babies were six pounds. All of my auntie's babies were six pounds. Like, I think they need to stop generalizing mm-hmm. and thinking all babies at this stage need to be this weight because everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was the perfect size baby for me. And I yeah. felt like there was also slight meconium on his face. So hmm. straight away they were like, right, we want to um, transfer you in. <laughs> and I was like, no. Oh, God, they're <laughs> bloody obsessed with trying to transfer you in. I know, I know. <laughs> and was trying to transfer me and I said no I'm happy with the ambulance is still outside yeah yeah I told them to send them away I think they'd Mm. sent one away but um 
yeah I was like I'm not going in I'm quite happy like I think I'd already heard birth stories where people were like no we're not going to transfer we'll observe them and if there's any problems I made them write out a list of things I needed to be aware of so the fact like the meconium and him being small mm-hmm. um they wrote a list of things I need to watch out for over 24 hours and mm-hmm. then they would call me and just check on things mm. but yeah but like I was just keeping them off my back from transferring me in. Oh, I just God. knew if I were to go into hospital at this stage, he would be taken away from me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, just, for me, I just wanted to be close to my baby after birth, like, um, like smelling him. And I know it reduces like chances of like postpartum depression. I was already away from like my friends and family living in Redditch by myself. So I just wanted the best chances for bonding with me and my baby. Of course. Um, of course, if I felt like anything was up or if like his stats at the time were showing anything, then I would have agreed to go into hospital. But he was absolutely fine yeah. on like the observations that they'd done there, there and then. Yeah. So I was comfortable staying there. But they did stay. I think I gave birth at quarter to 12. They stayed until four o'clock. Wow. Okay. That's quite a while, isn't it? Clean up the room, though. I've always heard of midwives tidying your room. They didn't do that. Oh, God. Hang around. Oh, Christ. God, so frustrating. Because, I mean, this isn't a, this, you know, you weren't having a premature baby. You were having a a very lovely, well cooked baby. And just, he he was the size he was. You know, like you say, you were a smaller baby. Your mum had smaller babies. I feel like that just sounds very much just like something that's just part of you know the babies you make I reckon you know it wasn't a baby that looked like they were in any kind of distress I mean meconium's yeah. really common isn't it um beyond like post, post yeah post dates or whatever you want to say um could yeah just a bowel movement of a mature baby so yeah I mean what a good idea to ask them to to note down well what to look for because like my fear would have been the same in that situation of being separated and I just think you know the mother can do the observations you know as long as there isn't some kind of intense emergency there like you're the best one to observe your baby you're gonna know you're gonna be watching them like a hawk solidly you know you're gonna be eyes on them all the time and you're gonna be the one that notices a change or a shift in them or anything to be concerned about so I think it's it's a bit of an obvious one to like you stay with them and watch them you know but yeah yeah Oh God. So I'm glad. So they finally go, <laughs> they finally yeah. leave. And is it, I don't know, how's it left? <laughs> just kind of, well, is it okay? It was a little bit apologetic. She was like, oh, like, I am sorry. It was just like, we want what's best. Mm. And I just feel like, I don't know if maybe they have to cover their own backs. Like if they don't follow the guidelines, perhaps they can get yeah. into trouble. You know, within yeah. the NHS, a lot of like their legal claims comes from the maternity side of things. So maybe it's that pressure on them. Um, also the fact like I don't think a lot of midwives nowadays get to experience natural birth unfortunately Um, I've actually tattooed midwives before and I think what they get taught they believe to be gospel Mm -hmm. so yeah I just I don't know if I ever have another one I'm not sure if I will um, I would 100% step away from the NHS altogether like I really think free birth would have been ideal for me. My birth was, so I went into labour at quarter past 12 and I had him at quarter to 12. It would have been over so much quicker, I think, if I hadn't had that interruption. Mm-hmm. Um, like I could tell the oxytocin stopped flowing at that point. And I just went into like that stress stage. And the point when I was on the floor thinking, oh my God, it's going to lead to me being transferred in. Mm-hmm. Um, like I could feel myself being vulnerable and I could feel myself on the verge of tears. So I do understand when people... 
like why a lot of people do transfer in um, when there isn't necessarily a need. It's because there is that worry and maybe they do put that worry in you. But yeah, I feel like um, for me, next time I wouldn't worry so much about those around me and making them feel comfortable. It's about me and the journey for my baby into the world. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. next time I'm going to have one. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no rush. Because how old is your how old's your baby at the moment? He's turning six months this week. Oh yes. I know. As you know, you're still so like he's just like minutes old, really, isn't he? Like it's so new and so fresh. Yeah. But yeah, God, I know. I mean, you were having to teach about like lessons in labour and birth, in physiological birth to midwives whilst you were in labour, basically, is yeah. what you were doing. Yeah. And that's just like no one should have to do that and of course that's going to take you out of your your zone because you know you're firing up your part of your brain that's a lot more thinking and and more conscious and aware and with it and rather than being able to just be in your lovely space and your lovely kind of you know going within like you're saying that moment so it's I mean god I'm amazed like I think I mean I hope you feel ridiculously proud of yourself and your body for for being able to do it like I yeah. think you know the pressure was intense leading up to the labor and then during the labor like what a lot of <clears throat> what a heavy weight of um of pressure to have throughout that experience and you still bloody did it and you know you did yeah. it you had your baby at 44 weeks at home and and you had like no and there were no interventions really there at all other than you know anything you decided you wanted to happen you did and yeah. anything that they were really trying to push you were like nope this mm-hmm. is not what I want and oh my god like calling ambulances and having two on the drive I mean god. I the funny thing about that was at one of the midwife appointments like before the 34 week one another midwife was like just to let you know the ambulance service aren't working at the moment so you won't be able to have a home birth because they won't be able to transfer you with and then I end up with two ambulances that you didn't even want yeah yeah exactly what a waste of their resources and everything I mean it's such a shame isn't it to not trust you more and to listen to you more and just respect your choices more oh god I'm tempted to like find out did you have much interaction with them after the birth or were you did you kind of feel like and you know I'm not so bothered or was that different (laughs) She was cast a small meconium. They turned up the next day. No. Uh, and then the day after that, I think for about five days, they turned up. Oh, God. Uh, I know. Imagine. I should have just declined, but I think because I'd never planned to have a baby, like it just, I'd never imagined myself having a baby. Mm. I didn't really, apart from the research I'd done, I was like not confident about having looking after this tiny human. That for me was scarier mm-hmm. than actually giving birth. Like giving birth, I wasn't scared of. I felt really informed. Um, I wasn't worried about pain. I just felt like this is something, a natural thing that bodies go through. All mammals reproduce, well, all animals reproduce. Um, but looking after a tiny baby, what if I can't do it? So them coming out. Mm-hmm in a way reassured me Mm. Um, but also I'm glad in a way because um, I really struggled with breastfeeding Um, for the first five weeks I did Um, and the midwife did refer me to the tongue-tie clinic and he did have a tongue-tie but that was another thing the midwives there at the birth they checked him for a tongue-tie and they said he didn't have one so that is some advice to anyone out there Mm-hmm. to always have a second opinion on the tongue tie because that really disrupted my breastfeeding journey. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I'm glad they did come out, but at the same time, it was disturbing. Like 
it's not glamorous after you've just given birth. Your bedroom is an absolute state. Your boobs are out. <laughs> and for me, I had a really painful um, tailbone. So I just felt like, I don't know, you're just a mess after giving yeah. birth. Like it's natural, isn't it? But um, it's a bit of a disturbance having them come around and come mm. into your personal space and mm-hmm. take baby and weigh baby and everything like that. So again, uh, like if I was to have another one, I wouldn't have that either. Well, you're healing, aren't you? You're healing and you're you're getting to know your baby and there's so much going on in that time. It's it's again, it's a really delicate time, especially first time around, I think. And yeah, yeah and if, if breastfeeding is feeling tough, you know, that's really difficult too. And I'm glad to hear you had some support in that um area then. So you know, I think it's hard, like when you've been so sort of like bullied, I really feel, by, you know, your midwives yeah. and the NHS in, in lots of respects, it can really put you off wanting to engage at all and and then of course you can kind of miss out on potentially some support that you really need it's just such a shame because they kind of make you feel like oh, I don't want to have anything to do with you because you, you never listen to me and you always try yeah. and push an agenda so then you can really perhaps not ask for the help when you do need it which then is a whole other problem so I'm glad yeah. at least you know you did and you got some support and that's great but it's a shame they create that vibe you know that yeah that's not helping anyone you know yeah it was honestly like school situation. I felt like the naughty child and each midwife was my teacher. Um, just like some of the comments, like obviously you've done all of your research and yeah. well, you'll know this because obviously you've done your research. It was just, there was no need for it. I think actually mm. my dear the NHS, the nicest out of all of them were the women at the tongue tie clinic. Mm. The midwives were the nicest to me um, and the most informative and helpful. But um yeah amazing god what a what a like a roller coaster of everything in your story I was desperate to, I've, I can't I have I must admit I've read your story before you sent it to me and I was dying to know what happened once I'd heard that you know well you've had your baby um but still hearing it from you is just like is amazing and it's so good to kind of follow on that journey of it all um so thank you for sharing it with us but can I ask you so I feel like people listening to this if they're in a similar situation and if they're 41 42 43 even um weeks pregnant and they are getting that pressure what nugget of information how what would you recommend that they do how can they get through that pressure and that feeling of of just of kind of their their plans slipping away from them what would you recommend I would honestly say to trust your gut and your intuition, um, regardless of what anyone else is saying around you, like it is a magical power that mothers have. I think, you know, when you need to worry, like that is a real thing. Um, just try and close yourself off. So I think I deleted WhatsApp. I even told my doula, she, she was like, I'm going to back away. I was like, okay, well I'm deleting WhatsApp because you were just getting unwanted text like you just don't need that I just close myself off from the world and just trust your body and your baby if you feel like there's something up then go and get checked but I don't know it's just um honestly trust your intuition and try not to be influenced by other people's worries Mm -hmm. yeah yeah god amazing amazing I've loved listening to that Leonie have you got anything else you want to ask Donna, I'm just in awe of you Donna (laughs) I was just you know listening to your story and it was just battle after battle after battle and the whole thread has just been this fight 
the whole yeah. way through and I just thought surely this has got to be the last one and then you said something else that you had to fight away and then it's like oh surely that's got to be the last one and then it was just like never bloody ending I'm just in awe of you <laughs> like I just you know picture you in labor like you say reading off all of these stats educating teaching you yeah. were in that position of teaching the whole way through and my god you know you know you knew your stuff you did your research and you know uh, very early on in the conversation you were talking about how you wanted to decline getting measurements and for the growth measurements and it's like you spotted that pattern very very early on you knew like you were onto it from the very beginning like you saw straight through the bullshit from the beginning well it's not bullshit let's be fair like you know some people it can be useful in some situations but it wasn't for you you didn't want that because you saw well what happens if they make this conclusion from the measurements and then it leads down induction you know it's like input output is so clearly the line happens and you saw that and you said no I don't want any part of that and I just love how invested you have been and how much detail you've got into like you are on it and my god it's on the one hand it's a real shame that you have to be that prepared but thank god you were you know it's it's clearly like you knew somewhere you knew that you needed to go to that level because maybe I don't know you like somewhere predicted that you might need to have all of these tools and you absolutely did so I'm just in awe of you like you absolutely smashed it I think that's it because I'd learned so much about like the cascade of intervention and how each each begins it was so obvious to spot um yeah that would be my advice to people to really like you need to invest in birth I don't understand people that will spend so much on their weddings and their honeymoons and plan it down to the T but they will let things go with the flow with their birth and I just think you're walking in to trouble in that sense like you just need to plan a little bit more you would you you plan your mobile phone contract and you look around and you shop around but people aren't prepared to plan with their birth or at least be informed so you can make good choices that are right for you otherwise a blanket policy doesn't suit everyone um next time I will I'm saying it like I'm gonna have another one if there is a next time I'm not gonna put myself in that position where I have to be like that I would much rather I feel confident in my body I think I'd be fine birthing I'd actually feel confident birthing by myself I hear these birth stories and they're the ones like Mm. I think oh my god that is like the dream birth for Mm. me not having anyone around like just you and your baby that's all it's that's important anyway isn't it and I think when you've gone on such a journey to go inwards and you know you're saying don't come near me like don't touch me it's just you know it's just an extension of that isn't it because wouldn't it be amazing if there was literally you know extending your bubble even further out don't need anyone else it's just you I did have another question actually about um your gestational age of the 44 weeks Um, is that something that runs in your family because I remember you saying right at the beginning as well that you weren't sure about your dates and then you went for that early dating scan but I'm just wondering because your baby came out perfectly sized for your body and that is a size which runs in your family it doesn't seem like that's an extraordinary thing you know that just seems like that was just normal so I'm yeah I'm curious is there any like link or I try to find 
about myself actually because I was like trying to figure out I wonder if there is any correlation with gestational periods so my mum was induced for all of her babies so I can't find out on that side and then on my dad's side um he's actually Lebanese so his mum was in Lebanon when she gave birth and I don't think they recorded stuff like that so I've got no way of knowing if he was induced um so it's really hard to tell with my particular family but from research yeah. I've done, a lot of people do think it's influenced by heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be. And I also think like maybe longer term pregnancies would be more normal if everyone yeah. was induced. Yeah. We don't have those stats, do yeah. we? How, how would it be if not everybody was interrupted? Absolutely. I don't think I know. Well, I could count on one hand the amount of people I know that have gone into labor naturally mm-hmm. everyone else gets induced or mm. it's just it's just wild mm. something so natural is changed I just yeah. don't understand yeah. Yeah. it's so yeah. sad it's, it's such a shame but you even in sharing this story with us like my god you're changing people's you know minds and decisions you're helping support them carry on and continue with their pregnancy if they feel well and everything like you say if they feel right with it then they can keep going and I think hearing stories like this this is why I was so incredibly keen (laughs) to get your story because I just thought I want it saved I want it somewhere Um, because I talk about your I talk about your story to other people whenever I you know get a message from someone who's worried about a time frame or something I was like do you know what there are people out there that do go longer there's an amazing woman I've spoken to she went to 44 weeks and now I'm going to send them this link (laughs) it's all over the place I feel like since giving birth I think I've already spoken to you about this but um it's almost as if your brain doesn't work in the same way like I am geared up to keep this tiny human alive Mm. so my and all of the statistics that I learn I can't remember anymore it's almost like I'm a, a different brain in a way um so yeah oh well you don't need that stuff anymore yeah yeah you're looking after your baby it's all good it's all good but yeah oh thank you so much Donna for coming on our podcast and sharing your your epic story with us because it's been oh yeah it would be such an inspiration to so so many listeners and um yeah I can't wait to get it out there yeah thank you for your time thank you for having me thank you Donna it's been amazing If you have enjoyed listening to these stories, we'd love to hear from you. Take a screenshot, share your thoughts. We'd love to hear how you found these amazing stories. You can tag us, tag our Instagram accounts, share with your friends, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a free birth story you would love to share, you can get in touch with us by sending a DM to our Instagram page at normalboringfreebirth or email us at normalboringfreebirth at outlook.com.